0: Chicago, and McNabb out of the shotgun, fires, and that will be caught by Jackson, and then loses the ball, scramble for it at the 32-yard line, Tillman able to knock it free, Chicago has it, Anthony Adams with the recovery, so they go right back to Jackson after the run, (laughs) back, and Anthony Adams with it, well, not quite an old Corbett move, but we'll give him an 8.7 anyway.
1: Al Michaels comping Spice Adams to former Soviet gymnast Olga Corbett. Those were good times where the
2: Bears' defense was, they weren't just taking the ball away, Dan. They were taking it away and trying to hurt people. They are trying to score, and they were trying to hurt people in the process. And usually, you know, one guy would pick the ball up, and
1: then the rest of the guys would work really hard. Oh, that was sort of how they were coached. Remember, yeah. It's like, get out there and score, score, and immediately... There's that fire call, and you're you're on offense, and it's you. If you don't you don't have the ball, you got one job.
2: Your job is to help get that person to the end zone. Earlier this week, though, we had an accusation that perhaps at least one person didn't work as hard as others did. So we thought that that we would bring that person onto the show to allow them to defend themselves if they needed to, and and let them hear it.
1: Alex Brown is on Twitter at AlexBrown96, nine year NFL vet, former Bears defensive end.
2: Number four all time in sacks in the Bears franchise.
1: And if you spent a lot of time in Bourbon A, you know that he would be also like the de facto uh, bouncer, greeter, 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 bouncer, ombudsman at Vito's. Yep. Which is always nice. He's with us on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score. What's up, Alex?
0: What's going on? And bags champion. I would be a bags That's champion true. as well. That's so, true. But but I'm 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 uh, I'm kind of interested in who else is coming on here because you there has to be somebody else that that didn't work hard and didn't um do their job when we got a when we got a pit. It can't be me, can it? Well, here's here's the thing, Ab.
2: I was mm-hmm. I was taken aback and quite honestly a little shocked because look, we all know what thirteen was at the University of Florida. He was a killer. Right. And and that right. guy brought the work ethic seemingly every day, so we yeah. wanted you to hear this before you responded to it. This is Spice okay. Adams talking about, you know, maybe it wasn't an all out effort from nine six to help <laughs> help his boy get
0: into the end zone. I think it was a Deshaun Jackson caught a slant or something like that. Peanut let him catch, it. knocked it right out. I went scooped it up. I didn't get a block from Alex Brown, but. We're not going (laughs) to talk about that. I hope you weren't expecting one. We had had the red dot Alex. Like, come on, man. Alex going for the ball instead of the block. I I got the ball, brother. Okay, just get the block. Maybe I'll pitch it to you if you get the actual block.
2: Your response, sir. Yeah, I can't
0: dispute any of that. That was Yeah, I can't. I cannot. What I will say is I was not... I was not a hundred percent convinced that his hands was going to make that play, so I was making sure that we got the, the takeaway. And in the process, I think I kind of tripped up Spice. I might, I might have. I, I probably should have gotten a tackle on that one. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't my best effort, that's for sure. It was not my best effort. No. Okay. So Spice is not lying. He is, he is, he is pretty accurate on this one.
2: Okay. So wait, no. And I just want you to know that was unprovoked. Neither Dan nor I asked him about you.
1: Yeah, he offered that. But then,
2: as we were as yes. we were letting Spice go from from mm-hmm. the interview, he offered us this.
0: Aaron Rodgers Whoa. was going for a pass, and he threw it, but it, it ended up being like a uh, I think Hunter Hillemeyer like hit his arm, and he caught the pass that he was trying to throw, and then he tried to throw it again, and then that's when I intercepted it but it's, it's going to go down as a fumble recovery.
2: But Alex didn't block.
0: But Alex didn't get the block on that play. Okay,
1: we're marking the tape for all this stuff because you're going to hear this again on the yeah. airwaves. I yeah. can promise yeah. you. Please,
2: please let him know. Let him know about himself.
0: Oh, man, man, man. Um, yeah, um, that, that, that also happened. Um, you know what? You know what? You know what? I, I think, I think, um I've forgotten some of those bad plays that I've had that I had now fortunately we've only come up with two, so I had a lot of plays and if there's only two, then I'm gonna take that I'm gonna take that and run just uh it's unfortunate that uh both just seemed to happen to Mr Adams uh maybe that was in my later my that was that was my latter part of my mm-hmm. my career you know, so yeah. I, was, I was slowing up a little bit having brain farts too regularly.
2: I think I need to now send a text <laughs> message to fifty five because he he I also have some thoughts on this but nah. but 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 i appreciate you being you and being truthful that when presented with the evidence you're like yeah i did that yeah that was me yeah
0: i, I was i was gonna dispute the hell out of it but it's like okay yeah we can actually go back and look at film and see this yeah they really it really ain't gonna make a difference if i dispute this because it happened so and it's filmed um both the side copy, the end zone copy, and probably the the national copy. I mean, there's so many copies out there of me not really picking up that block um, or trying to secure an already secured takeaway. It's just, it was it was a bad judgment on my end. Definitely bad judgment on my end. Okay. So now we can
2: get to some of the more serious stuff <laughs> that, 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 that we'd like to talk with you about now that we we've had our fun the Bears yeah. have a new defensive coordinator. I couldn't remember if you had worked with him or not.
0: Yes. Yes. Coach Washington was um he he was a, the assistant D line coach. Um for us I wanna say it was gosh. Um, oh nine, maybe it was I thought it was a couple years. Uh, 08, 09, 07, oh eight, oh nine, oh seven, oh eight, something like that. Um, but yeah, he definitely was there. Coach, coach, he was always quiet, um, but a very good teacher. Like, he's not going to step on – he wasn't going to step on uh, the D-line coach's uh, uh, toes, um, but he he kind of stuck with it. And he'd tell us – I mean, he'd tell me. I'm not going to speak for everybody, but if I asked him something that something that I didn't agree with as far as the defense, he'd be like, okay, listen, I understand, like, where you're coming from, but this is how we're teaching it. So every, we want everybody to be on the same page here so – because this might put you in a bad position for this particular defense, well, everybody is on board with how this is supposed to be going. So we all need to be on the same page, so let's just run it this way. All right. Okay, let's do it then. So, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a great um, communicator. Um, I'm pretty sure he, he's kind of formed his own way going through Carolina, uh, going, to, uh, going to Buffalo, going to Buffalo. So I'm sure he's formed kind of his own deal now. And I'm very interested to see, because like I said, coach was, coach was quiet. Um, he didn't step on anybody's toes, but now he's the guy. So he's the guy that everybody's going to be looking at in that third and long, third and short. What am I calling? Am I first, I mean, first down. Well, what are you calling? Like in these different situations, we're going to get to see kind of his, um his mentality or his uh, persona on how he wants this defense to attack or is he more of a bend not break, make them drive thirteen plays down the field, and more or less rely on your defensive line to cause havoc in the backfield? So uh, I'm interested to see.
1: Well, I think if you have the personnel in, from what I know about this defense, it's mm-hmm. it's the latter. I don't want to have to blitz ever. I want to make sure that that my guys are getting to their landmarks, and that if this, if that three technique is as disruptive as it's supposed to be, where then I can I can force you into so many mistakes. You're going to get impatient. We're going to knock the ball out. We're going to tip passes, and and you're going to have a very difficult time getting the ball all the way to the end zone.
0: Yeah, but you got to um, you got to have some uh, you got to make some tough decisions to get to that. So uh, to get to that particular defense, if you look at how. Um, that defense. I'm gonna I'm just say the '06 defense was built. Um, I was drafted in '02. Now you trade away your best uh, offensive weapon in Marty Booker to go get Adewale and Now you take your top two picks. Your your first year head coach. You, t- you take his top two picks to get Tommy Harris and Tank Johnson, two guys that are 300 pounds, running 4'6. So. It's very, very difficult to do it, and some hard decisions are, are going to have to be made. Because I remember me sitting in that locker room before the preseason game, and now Marty Booker's not playing. It's like, wait, wh- why aren't you playing? What the hell's going on? I'm, I'm out of here. What? Wait, what? Out of where? like he is the he's the guy on offense. So when you, that's a hard decision to make on a team that. We didn't have much offense as it is, and you're going to get rid of the guy that's catching 100 passes a year. So there's some hard decisions that's going to have to be made um, leading up to that point. Now, we have some players. Uh, I think we got Sweat. We need another pass rusher. We need a three-taking. Like, I, I love Girvin, um, but we need, we need a, a quick-twitch guy. We need more quick-twitch guys. I don't, I don't think we have any. Uh, when that ball moves, I need somebody gone. Sweat is just a good player. He is a really, really good player. So that quick twist, though, is I want a guy off that ball. When that ball moves, and there are a couple of them in the draft that I hope we're, we got our eye on, and if they fall to us and we have an opportunity, hopefully we'll snatch them up.
2: How did you think Matt Eberflus did in kind of putting the defense together and calling mm-hmm. the defense last year?
0: Under the circumstances where he didn't think he was going to be uh, doing that, and then he had to kind of switch gears, I thought he did a, a hell of a job. Um, the guy keeping the guys in tune with what was going on. I mean, I think it was very similar to the 05, 05 season where um, obviously I think we dominated at a different level, but as far as where they were in the beginning of the season, we were 1-3 at the beginning of that 05 season. And then things kind of came together and we kind of took off. We found what worked. And for them, they started, once Sweat got here, That I think that changed everything. You now you can put guys in a position where they can actually do the job you're asking them to do. To put one of the other guys on that defensive line into Sweat's position, well, he doesn't have the skill set to be Sweat. That's why Sweat is Sweat. That's why we, we spend the draft capital to bring him in and then pay him uh, what we paid him. So, And then you start to see that defensive line start to get out the quarterback more. And at the same token, you start to see more interceptions. You start to see more takeaways on the back end. So now all that stuff kind of works together. And I think these guys, uh, defensively, I, I think they've really started to understand that, that this right here works together. If I just, these guys are going to get home, I don't really have to, I ain't worried about a double move. Just talk to Nate Vaz, talk to Peanut. I ain't about, they, they're not worried about a double move because if that guy's making a double move, my defensive line's going to get home to him. So once you have that confidence on the back end, you can start breaking on on routes a little early, and now and that's that's where the takeaways come at. That's where you can put the offense in scoring position or score um, on defense. So, and we started to see that late in the season, and the blitzing. I mean, these linebackers, I mean, they they're smoking running backs, just trying to pick them up in the hole. Uh, it's it, it was a it was a great sight to see. Um you, Bourne, you see uh, Edwards, Edmonds, they're going all over the place. Like they're blitzing from all different angles and it was great to see. So I think he did a heck of a job with the defense.
1: Alex, the quarterback situation with the bears is noisy and mm-hmm. th- the discussion is noisy and emotional right now because Everyone likes Justin Fields very much, regardless of what the the belief is in his future. And I think we're getting lost in the idea of what people think might happen and what people want to happen. And it's 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 getting it's getting super confusing. So where are you in both respects? What do you want <laughs> to happen, and what do you think
0: is going to happen? Well, I, um. What I want to what, – what I think is going to happen, I, oh, I think they're going to – I think they're really going to do their due diligence on the quarterbacks. And, but it's not as simple as let's just take the best quarterback. Because if you have two of them together, let's just – for instance, um, if you just take uh, Drake May, you take um, Caleb Williams, and you say, okay, if I take Caleb Williams, then uh, I don't get this other package – of future draft picks that I could get if I just take Drake May, maybe two, three picks, two or three picks down, right? So you got to weigh that. Is is Caleb Williams worth these other picks that I have? Now there's a clear um, uh, example that has been put out in front of us, and uh, with Buffalo trading with Kansas City back in 2017 for them to go pick Patrick Mahomes, they get in return three Pro Bowl players, but Patrick Mahomes beats their ass every time. Like, it's just like he just, he's punished them every single time. So do you allow that quarterback? I'm not calling Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be uh, Patrick Mahomes. What I'm saying is that there are some really talented kids here, and one of the three are going to be pretty dang good. So which one is it? and do you make that play on them? What I want to happen, I'm tired of single, single, double, occasionally, single. I need somebody up there to try to hit a home run, man. That's what I need. So, give me Caleb Williams. Give me Caleb Williams. Trade away Justin Fields. I ain't got no problem with Justin Fields as far as who he is or how he is. I don't know him like that, but I think Just like uh, the tight end, uh, Greg Olson, um, and I bring this up a lot, Greg Olson is not Greg Olson if he stays at the Bears. Greg Olson was utilized a lot different in Carolina. And that's why I think he's right there as far as being a Hall of Fame tight end. I don't think he gets there if he stays in Chicago. And that's okay. It's it's okay for – Ted Washington left Chicago and won a Super Bowl. Roosevelt Colvin left Chicago, won a Super Bowl. It's okay for guys to go to the places and do well. It's not going to change like what, like what, how I feel about the Bears. I want the Bears to win. I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey says. And I think a lot of people that just jump all over me about saying what I say is because they care what the name says. I, I don't care. I don't care if it's Justin Fields. If he shows that he can be the guy, then be the guy. But at 10 and 28, I I just don't see it. I don't see it when you start 38 games and you only throw for 225 yards six times, and Joshua Dobbs did it four times this past season. I just don't see it. And when we look at the AFC Championship game and you see a guy struggle like Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win his second MVP, well, an MVP is totally different than winning a Super Bowl because it takes, you have to beat really good, really good quarterbacks to do that. And there were a few plays in that game, I'm talking about the AFC Championship game, where he's overthrowing the receivers where a ball that he should be able to put in there. And I know if he has those passes back, he thinks he should be able to put them in there to the receivers on the sideline. I think I want to say they threw three, or two in a row, um, definitely um, three out of uh, probably five plays. They were trying to go deep. It just, it was overthrowing them by three, four yards. We need a guy. We're, we're going to have to go against a guy. Hell, Green Bay has a guy. I don't want a quarterback where you have to surround him with talent. We've done that before. We, we did that with six. Surrounding him with talent, we, didn't, we, got to, we got to the NFC Championship game. You give him Matt Forte. I mean, you, he got Brandon Marshall. You got Alshon Jeffrey. You go to New Orleans, you get a left tackle that was a pro bowler two years in a row with Drew Brees, and he come up to Chicago, and everybody thinks he stinks. No, he don't stink. The damn quarterback's holding the ball for six seconds. So, like, we've tried that surrounding with – how about we get a guy that can make these guys better, that can throw a guy open, that can – That I heard – oh, man. I, I listened to Cap show, and I heard Keyshawn Johnson say that that um if you just switch Justin Fields and put, put him down where C.J. Stroud is, then Houston would be in the same spot. And I think that's that's crazy. There's no chance that that's the same. C.J. Stroud is – a much better quarterback than Justin Fields. And I want that guy. I don't don't think that's crazy for me to ask that as a fan of the bears. And I want to see the bears win a Super Bowl at some point. So I didn't see 85. I I didn't see that game. I I grew up in Florida. We didn't have um, cable. We have have television. We had, we had, we had two, we had three channels. Okay. We barely got cartoons on Saturday. So I couldn't see the damn game, but like, I didn't watch the 85 Bears win a Super Bowl. We weren't able to close the deal in '06 against Indy. And uh, I, I'd like to see it because I am a huge Bear fan, just like a lot of people that grew up there. But for people to act like they, football means more to them than the players, I think it's, it's crazy. Like, no, this right here is these guys' life. This was all the former players. This is their life. Like, this is what helped them – uh, to where they are today, you know? So it don't mean more. I, we can agree, okay, it means the same. But, nah, they, like people, just, people are just crazy, man. They get pissed off at stuff and it's like, well, this is my opinion about it and I hope they go this way. I have a problem with Justin coming to Atlanta and doing a hell of a job and playing well. I mean, should Atlanta be pissed off that they got rid of Brett Favre? Well, he wasn't going to be that Brett Favre in Atlanta. He was not going to be that guy. So you let that guy go, and he go perform somewhere else, and he do well, okay, tip your cap, say great job. I'm happy for him. But we're going to have to compete against Green Bay uh, and Love and all those receivers up there, and they look like they got stuff going in the right direction. And Detroit. Um, Detroit has a – well, see, Detroit is a little different from um, for me because I think if you take Love out of there, I think that team's a, a little different. Man, the, Detroit has a football team. They got an offensive line. They have two really good running backs that complement each other very well. They got a dog as a receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. Right? And then the, the pieces around them, Jamison Williams, you got Reynolds, like, and LaPorta. Oh, my gosh. Like, you put like, – I'm not saying you can put any quarterback in there, but there's a lot of quarterbacks. Um, I think they're built a lot like San Francisco, honestly. And um, I think you can put a lot of quarterbacks in there that will succeed um in that in that uh in that offense. So they have a really good football team. We gotta compete against them. And when Kirk Cousins come back, I mean who knows? I mean, hell, we, i never I, I rarely give him credit for doing it, but hell, he just keep doing it and they keep being in the conversation, you know? So we have a I think we have a tough division uh moving forward and don't tell me that a rookie can't come in here and do it when I just watch a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, a rookie offensive uh coordinator do it down in Houston uh, with guys that, I mean, I'm sure we all play fantasy football. Did y'all draft any receivers from Houston before the season?
2: No, didn't know, I know who I any didn't. of them were. And basically <laughs> exactly. didn't really know who they were even until the playoffs. And, and that was the case. There you, you, go. You, you make a fine argument. Um, I look, more, look forward to you hating on Justin Fields more when you go on the full go podcast with Jason Goff. Uh, yes, AB, we yes. appreciate the time. We got to have you back on because I actually do want to talk to you about like, some serious, like, after after your career is over stuff that I think that you're yeah. doing really, really well. So you, you got to come back on the show soon so we can discuss that. But we got to go, and I know you got stuff to do, but we appreciate it. Sure. We appreciate you jumping on and, and bringing that hate to the score airwaves.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> hey, you know I'm here for it. I'm here for it.
2: We we do. We do know that you're here for <laughs> Thank it. Thank you,
1: Alex.
0: Bye, right, buddy. Thank you all.
1: That is a good man, Alex Brown,
0: with a bad opinion.
1: Yeah. When we come back, uh, you call this the Caruso conundrum? Yeah, I want to ask you about this and talk about this with you. I got an easy answer. Okay, well, that's I, fine. I, I don't think it's a conundrum
2: at all, I, frankly. I don't either, but I want to try and walk through this and see if I can see what the
1: Bulls see. Next Good on luck. the score
0: Bernstein at Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, in Odyssey station. And here's Caruso to the rim a right-handed power dunk. Alex Caruso eating some rim in North Carolina. It looked like Charlotte was everywhere. Everyone was looking at each other like, who's going to pick him up? And no one was the correct answer. 83-81 Bulls.
1: Yes! Another one to add to the list of our greatest hits of eating rim. Hey, man.
2: Celebrate your birthday. You get excited about... Stuff that you're seeing. And there's Alex Caruso for you.
1: got it. So now we've got Drummond, DeRozan, Caruso. Zach Levine, too, right? Levine, Daniel Tice.
2: We needed some, like, barbecue sauce reference or something. Right.
1: Or some Carolina sauce or something like that.
2: I was thinking that while they were doing some of the establishing shots of Charlotte, I was sitting there going, it's probably too late to move to Charlotte, isn't it? Like That's what I kept thinking. I was like. If you wanted to start a life there, like, it's probably too late. It's probably everyone knows about Charlotte now. It's probably
1: too expensive to go move to Charlotte. Depends how far away from the actual city you want to go. You want to live in, like, Cherryville or something like that? You can find yourself a nice little life in semi-rural North Carolina I if think, you want. I
2: think da- I don't think rural North Carolina. I think I'd want the city. Okay. I think it's probably... Probably missed the trade on yeah, that one. That was something I should have done years and years and years ago. Alex Caruso eating some rim in North Carolina. Raise up. Love you. Take Chuck. your shirt off. Yeah. Um, Let's spin around your head like a helicopter. Let's talk about Alex Caruso for a second. <laughs> Alex Caruso is one of those players. If you're watching him on any other team, it is very easy to see his value. And, midway through the month, last month, Billy Donovan talked about that as it pertains to Caruso.
0: He's played well for us on both sides of the
2: ball. And to your point, I never take him for granted, you know, because he's a total team guy. He has a real strong conviction, understanding of what goes into winning. And he's going to do all those things that are really kind of, you know, like he's great in a game like today because his messaging and timeouts is great because it's like a dirty game where it's, it's, it's hard, you know fatigue shots aren't going down like the at the rate you'd like to you got to grind the game out like he's great in those moments you know uh, of of doing all that you know little stuff I value Alex Caruso I really like him I think he's a great player I think he's good in the community I think he's good in the locker room I don't I understand why any team would look at Alex Caruso and say, that's the type of player that we need to have here as an example of how to do things. Plus, it's not just an example. He's literally doing things for you on the floor every single night. When he's healthy.
1: When he's healthy. And he's been mostly healthy this season. He did it last night again where he got smacked in the head. And he's every time he falls down, you think, oh, here it is. This is, this the, is the, the moment where this he's is, out for three right, weeks. This, or, or, or or more. This is the fractured this or the ruptured that. Never want to have a ruptured that It's bad. Whether we're reading
2: Darnell or Joe Cowley talking about the Bulls. They've been talking about how it doesn't seem like the Bulls are going to do anything that that no one wants Zach Levine, for example, that maybe someone will, will say, Well, we would like to have DeMar. I was talking with Cody Westerlin about this in the hallway. Drummond probably has played well enough for someone to trade for him, although you're not going to get much back for him. Yeah, I don't think so. Alex Caruso is the most tradable piece. You
1: got to be listening on everybody. I- this build is over. This this is done. It's over. That's how it feels
2: to me. It That if you have a chance at getting val- a valuable asset, because it seems as if that train has left the station when it comes to Zach being the thing that's going to get you something valuable back. And if you say, okay, well, we want to stay committed to Zach, which, okay, fine, you gave him the money. I would have told you not to do that. In fact, I did tell you not to do that. But okay, if you're saying that the player that you're going to build around is Zach Levine, you're not going to be able to just develop him help. You're going to have to identify some stars. And considering where you're going to be drafting, because you're midway through, the likelihood of you finding those stars is not great. Therefore, you need more bites at the apple, which you would get.
1: If you were to trade your most valuable piece, which is Alex Caruso. Well, because you traded away so much draft capital in the Vooch trade, you traded away draft capital for Lonzo Ball and you forfeited picks for tampering there, you know, back to what we were talking about, the difference between pro and college. You're you're old, you're not good, you're capped, and you're out of draft capital. That is the worst possible place to be. Right. So then you have to
2: figure out how can you how can you get better quickly? And I I don't want Alex Caruso to
1: be traded, but I think they should trade him. They have no choice. I saw this stat today. This is uh, Casey Johnson. The Bulls this year after 49 games are 23 and 26. They're 23rd in offensive rating. They're 14th in defensive rating. Last year after 49 games, 23 and 26. 22nd in offensive rating. 13th in defensive rating they're the same team texas this is a great
2: comp isn't having caruso like a bad baseball team having a great closer yes
1: yeah that's why you trade those those are the first people traded yes the very first people traded are high leverage bullpen arms off of bad teams
2: you know that alex caruso not only has value but is coveted like it's 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 one thing to look at DeMar and be like, yeah, there might be a fit for DeMar here or there, depending on what team what a team is looking for. You know that there are teams that have scouted. You've fielded those phone calls about Alex Caruso. And, and I know that it, it seems crazy to be like, well, I'm giving up a really good player. Right. You're... Because of what Dan pointed out is what your lot in life is, this is the really hard decision that you have to make. I don't think
1: it's that hard. It's hard. It's clearly hard for them. I mean, you wanted continuity. You got continuity. You've been the same team for a while, and, man, Vooch's offensive game is really eroding. Yes. Right in front of your eyes. And you
2: extended him. Look. you, you basically said that you think that your team can be anchored by Zach Levine and Vooch, which, okay. But the Patrick Williams thing hasn't worked out for a lot of different reasons. DeMar's going to be 35. Kobe White has flourished, but it still hasn't as well as... He, and he had a season high last night with 35 points. Even... As good as he's done, as much as he's improved, he should be in the conversation for most improved player in the league. He's not going to win it, but he should be in that conversation. You're still 23 and 26 with no real hope of being anything but a team that makes it to the play-in tournament. That's all you've got. You're in the play-in tournament. That's not the playoffs. I mean, Kendall was acting like it is, and it's not. Well,
1: I'm not. I mean, look, I, I've said all I can say to that.
2: It's it's different. I don't even think that this team this team, is not going to be able to max its way out to even being the sixth seed because your, your division and conference have gotten better while you've
1: been standing still. Because they have had draft picks to use where you've – cashiered those for whatever this was and this the this is going to max out at at, by getting your teeth kicked in by the bucks in a playoff series right that's the peak of this build
2: yep you end up there if everything kind of goes right from now until the end of the season you end up in the place where
1: you get beat by the bucks in five He's Lawrence Holmes. I'm Dan Bernstein. We're the Bernstein and Holmes show. We are on Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. here on Sports Radio 670. And next up, it's something we call high noon. I have a very special announcement that you are not going to want to miss. I have seeing
2: and hearing someone laugh that I've never heard or saw
0: laugh. It's next? You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, midday ten to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then, right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right.
1: When? High noon. When we get to high noon, we tell you what we've been talking about for the first couple hours of this show. Started out by trying to make sense of the world of college football that has coaches. Pulling the ripcord on collegiate coaching careers. Running for the hills! It's just getting out of there because nobody knows what the rules are, what the hell is going on. Coaches don't know. Players don't know. Agents don't know. The NCAA doesn't know. The collectives don't know. So I think coaches want a little bit of certainty rather than chaos as long as the money is close. We discussed the outpouring of money and goodwill and support in the wake of the vandalization of the Jackie Robinson statue in Wichita. I'm just waiting to see how long it's going to take for them to corral the perpetrators. Uh, And also Adam Rittenberg of ESPN checked in to talk about uh, Caitlin Clark and talk about the college basketball and college sports landscape. Alex Brown joined us and uh, we talked about the reality of the Bulls. It's
2: I have never heard Albert Bell laugh I had never seen him smile every I was starting out in the business professionally when Albert Bell was here working at Channel 9 as an intern and then as a, a field producer shout out to Krista Ruck and I remember going into those clubhouses and him just being either perpetrating like he was the angriest man in the world or being the angriest man in the world. So I was a little bit surprised when I saw him talking to your guy, Chris Rose, and him actually smiling and laughing about
1: something. Anybody ever... Walk past you and just yell out the name Fernando Vina.
0: I tell people, I say, Fernando Vina, he got up, dusted himself off, and like he was going to come after me. And I'm like, bro, it's not going to look good me whooping up on you. And I told him earlier not to come in the baseline because it happened on Eddie Murray's at bat a couple innings before. Eddie Murray in the first, first at bat, he hits a ground ball to him, comes in the baseline and tags me. And they called me out guard. And I was like, oh, don't do that again. You know, sure and he hits the same ground ball. I thought he was going to pitch, and he came in, and I knocked, him. I was like, I told you don't do it. But here's the funny thing. The next week, Chad Kruder does the same thing for the White Sox. He plows, knocks the guy over, breaks up the double play, the White Sox end up winning the game, and he's a hero. When I got to Chicago at 97, Chad Cruder was kind of busting my chops about that. He was like, you didn't hit him hard enough. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> So,
2: of course, the only thing that does make Albert Bell laugh is violence. But... What makes you laugh? Well, when I'm eating children. But it was good to see him, like, laugh and smile. I also am a staunch defender that he should have been the MVP in
1: 1998. His numbers... Oh, yeah, it's the greatest offensive season in White Sox history, isn't it? He was eighth
2: in MVP voting. Let me give you his numbers. His slash line was... 328, 399, 655. What was the
1: OPS plus or WRC plus? They was it like 160? 172. Jesus, like that's 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 ungodly. He had 399 total bases. Is that, that the season. highest? I I think the 172 might be a White Sox record. I, I think feel like might, Frank may it, have come close. I don't know that he came close. I think I know he was in the 160s a bunch of times, but that that might be a record. And so I was like, okay, how did he get beat? He got beat by
2: Roger Clemens that year had 271 <sighs> strikeouts. I'm sorry, not, not Roger Clemens. He won Cy Young. But I'm looking at the MVP voting. And I'm like, how did he end up? Juan Gonzalez had 157 RBIs that season. But Albert Bell led in games played, because remember they had to play game 163. Mm-hmm. He played all 163 of them. He led in OPS, and he led in slugging. And I think he was second in home runs that year. But he was behind some guys you're like, come on, man. They weren't more valuable than him.
1: Well, so, the White Sox were 80-82 that season. That's probably why. Doesn't matter.
2: I think if, if if we had this test case now, it might play out a little differently. But there was Albert Bell laughing Laffer. at violence. <laughs>
1: Guess what? Chicken butt. Registration is open for the charity poker championship. Let's go. Benefiting Camp One Step. Is
2: the lady that knocked me out of the tournament going to be back this year?
1: She's a piece of work. A pistol. Yes. I she's a pretty good player, too. Yes. Because yeah, she lasted a while, but that, that, that was, uh, yeah, she's a big fan of yours. Thursday, April 18th. Galleria Marchetti registration is open. Camponestep.org. is go right there right now. And why right now? Because the first 100 people to register are going to get a free add on of 5,000 in chips, which is going to double your starting chip count. You are going to get that for free, it's a hundred dollar value. Where if you're not one of the first hundred, you can pay for the add-on. It's going to cost you another $100. So if you're planning on doing this, don't wait. Be one of the first 100 people to register for the Charity Poker Championship. And as always, this is a World Series of Poker play-in, the main event in Las Vegas. The winner of this tournament will go to Las Vegas. But most importantly, we are going to be in a room then with the fabulous food and drink at Galleria Marchetti raising money to help kids with cancer and leukemia via our Camp One-Step programs. I'm so excited about it. Last year was sensational. This year will be as well. CampOneStep.org. CampOneStep.org. And you can just go to events, and you will find the registration right there. I am going to tweet this out. So I'm going to put it as a pinned tweet. I'm going to make everything available to you, but be one of the first people to register and get that free add-on of five thousand in chips. I cannot wait. It is always an awesome night. Are we counting on you? Yes, I'm back. All right, Lawrence is going to play. He's going to be one of our celebrity bounties.
2: Man, I almost made. I was. I was one hand from making it to the break, man. That one, and I, ugh. And, and you had a good hand, too, I did. Right? I lost on a good hand. Yeah. yeah. So
1: it's not like you, you you got caught in a bluff or anything like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, and, and she was so happy that she won. I was happy for it. And, you know, there's celebrity bounties. We're going to have whiskey samplings, raffle prizes, spectator games, and it's it's going to be awesome. So get registered. You're going to hear more about it as we get closer, but camponestep.org if you're planning on
2: Okay, a quick follow-up. Yes. Dick Allen. Yes. Had a 199 o- OPS plus season <laughs> the year that he won MVP for the White Sox. He better
1: win MVP with a 199. And
2: as I suspected, when Frank Thomas won MVP, he's his was 212.
1: Was it really?
2: Yeah, the '94 season he was 212. He also had a season where he was 180. Another one that was 181. Like, let me just run down all of them from 1990. From 1990 until 1997, these are the OPS pluses for Frank Thomas. 177, 180, 174, 177, oh 212, okay. 179, yeah. 178, 181. <laughs>
1: He's
2: so good. That ain't bad. He's so good at baseball. That ain't bad. So there. Followed it up. but. And thanks, Texas. yes, Albert Bell was a 7-1 war in 1998 and didn't win league MVP and finished eighth. Finished eighth.
1: That's high noon. Next up, Matt Bowen at the Senior Bowl. This is one of my favorite Matt Bowen hits of the football calendar. Because he is excited about guys. We're going to get names. We're going to get scouting reports. We are going to get some first impressions from some people who are going to matter come draft day. So keep it here for Matt Bowen on Bernstein and Holmes on the score.